You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks Limit Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you, the DU Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ducks Limit Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. Joining us today from Sport Dog Brand, Clay Thompson, the category manager. Clay, welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast. Thanks for having me on today. It's great to have the opportunity to chat and talk a little dog, talk a little duck hunting. Heck yeah. Always great to have you guys from Sport Dog Brand on. Um, Talk about products, talk about hunting, talk about the company itself. Uh, But before we do any of that, I want to go ahead and allow you to kind of introduce yourself to our audience. We do that with all of our new guests. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about you know what you do, who you are, where you're from, and, and what's kind of your waterfowling background. So, like you said, I'm the category manager. So, really, what that means is it's my role to be the guy who identifies there's the dog owner who has a problem that needs solved or has a product need, and then I go to the engineers and make sure that what they're building really is what that hunter needs what he needs to put on his dog to take him out in the field to to have that dog safe under control get that dog back home to the family because let's face it the dogs are members of our family now um make sure that they're not just designing stuff that looks good in a laboratory but it's got to go out in the real world and you know function the way a hunter really wants it and so that's my job to to make sure that product gets into the right hands and is what they want. Oh, that's cool. And that'd be exciting because you're taking, you know, my sister's a mechanical engineer, so I'm pretty familiar with, you know, engineering mentality that, you know, you're taking something on paper and in, you know, something that they're building and then putting it into practical use, which sometimes, you know, can can run afoul. And, you know, and uh, sometimes things don't work the way that, you know, it works great on a uh, pillow in uh, in the in the building room. But when you strap it to a 90-pound yellow lab and it runs into the marsh, it may not work the same way. So that's cool, man. That's an exciting, that'd be an exciting job to have. Uh, tell us a little bit about your background and, and kind of where you come came from and, and you know, what's your waterfowling experience? Grew up in Oklahoma, and in the you know the early mid '80s, when I was first starting getting my you know chance to go out, sit on a dove bucket, run behind some pointers, some English setters, quail hunting. That was really what it was. Is I I was pestering my dad from an early age, and I was six years old the first time I got to go. I didn't get a gun, um, but I had to prove that I could keep up and and not complain and you know not be a, a problem for him in the field. And then it was at eight was when I, I got that first time. Okay. Here's a pocket full of shells, one shell in the gun at a time and got that first dove. 
you know, got my first quail a little later that season. And just as my dad says today, he had no clue the monster he was creating. And, you know, it just the, the passion for it that was going to carry th- throughout my life. But then as we get into the early 90s, that quail population in Oklahoma just plummeted. I mean, it just we, we were plagued with some disease and some things that hit. And none of us were willing to stop hunting. So we just switched gears. And, and I can still remember um, a guy named Kevin Penwell asked me one day, he said, hey, I'm going to go duck hunting this weekend. Would you like to go? And his dog, Lady, Black Lab, picks up this just gorgeous Drake widgeon. And watching that bird come into the decoys, watching the dog do her job, I was hooked. And it was like one of these moments that you knew, okay, this is a before and after moment in my life. Before, okay, I was just that guy. But afterwards, I'm going to be a duck hunter. And I asked him to take me again the next morning. And and that's really what um, spurred me and the rest of the say you know, is history. Past 30 years of, of chasing them from, you know, Saskatchewan to Argentina. I love ducks. It's just, that's really what the passion is. And it's also what um, moved me to South Dakota. I'm up in the Aberdeen area. And just um, one year, I did not draw a non-resident license and didn't like it. I, I'd fallen in love with this part of the world, the, the hunting, the fishing, just the, the community that was up here. So I, I packed up my Black Lab Skeeter, and we moved to South Dakota. And that was about 16 years ago. And now it's, it's home. Um, it's where I met my wife, you know, et cetera. So I, I have a lot of really cool things that have my life because I was chasing ducks. Yeah. So in, we have uh, a pretty regular guest on the show, John Pullman from South Dakota. And uh, even when he's talking about something else, you know, what well, well, I always I always ask John, just because South Dakota plays such a crucial role in, you know, the Mississippi and Central Flowers and parts of the, the Atlantic as well. Um, I always ask him for a little habitat update. So, you know, with this being pretty short, quick turnaround on the timing, um, you know, what's it look like up there? So we're, at least in our part of the state, um, as is a lot of it, we're incredibly dry. Mm-hmm. So the the only good news is when we were at the nesting season, we had had a lot of water. There was um, the the grass, you know, and we, we do have a lot of, you know, natural prairie and CRP up here. I mean, we're a big chunk of the duck factory, this prairie Cato region. At that critical time, it was better. But we have just stayed in. I mean, nastily dry. My yard, I bet I haven't mowed it in seven weeks, and it doesn't look bad. It's just brown and dead. Wow. And so that's tough um, from a, you know, a habitat standpoint. And, and it's also, it, it's made some of the, the normal spots I would hunt um, pretty difficult to hunt because the water's drawn back so far from the cover that, you know, you're just increasing those shots that um, this is going to be a fall where the layout boat's going to play a role. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, you know, get innovative and, and get into those tougher spots because I still like splashing them. Don't get me wrong. They're, they're fun to chase in the field, but they're not called cornfield fowl. They're water fowl. <laughs> That's you know, right. And I like watching that dog swim after him. So, you know, it's just we're having to get creative this, this fall. Cool. Well, you know, that's very similar. And I talked to John quite often and that's very similar to his report as well he, he was really excited early on throughout the summer and then he's like man it was just windy and hot and everything just kind of dried up some of the spots that he really likes to target some of those real shallow wetlands um just are not there 
And so he's he's kind of in the same boat. Sounds like that, literally same boat as in a layout boat, possibly. Um, so that, that's a that was a pretty good little habitat report, though. That's awesome. I'm glad we were able to tie that in. You know, before we get into actual like sport dog products here, I do want you want to ask you. You know, when did that transition from upland? bird dog because you, you know you kind of mentioned that you grew up with the quail and on that side where you did you have upland dogs or and we then, did and then it, when, did you make that transition like to a, a labrador retriever and like how was that transition 100 percent. what happened you know i had a britney um really young and then my my dad's law partners they had some really nice english pointers and english setters that i had the chance to you know go hunt over and after that um, early on, I had um, a lab that was a, a Sunday paper Labrador. You know, it was honestly, I found it and would, had a cousin come with me, go look at them. They were cuter than hell, brought it home. And she was a nice little dog, but, you know, it just really wasn't that much dog. Well, then um, she ends up going to um, a buddy of mine. I didn't keep her for, I, I had a crazy schedule on the road with work. And so as I come to work for a sport dog, I'm sitting at um, Chris Aiken, Webfoot Kennels over there um, in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. He's one of our pro staff members and a, just a, a dear friend. We were sitting on the couch um, having just watched his dog do these amazing things. Boomer had won the Super Retriever Series and had won the X Games on ESPN. I mean, just this incredible dog who did all this world-class retrieving out in the field and then came home, curled up on the couch, and fell asleep next to me while we were watching TV. And I asked Chris, I said, hey, you know, I didn't realize you could have this horse that could go run the Kentucky Derby, and then you could bring him home, and, you know, we can have an eight-year-old birthday party, pony rides. And he's <laughs> like, yeah. He said, these dogs have got the off switch. And so I said, well, the next time you've got a litter of black, um, you know, black dogs, I want a black male, let me know, and I'll come back over here. I'd like to pick up a dog. Well, he picked up the phone and called um, a guy who was bringing in a litter of puppies the next day. And says, throw an extra black male in. And looked at me and said, well, if you'll stick around and hunt ducks um, tomorrow morning, you can take that dog home. <laughs> and I was like, uh, okay. You know, it was one of those that, t- it wasn't really calling a bluff, but hadn't really prepared <laughs> for a puppy. It just like yeah. seemed like a cool idea. And and that dog was, um, he was a game changer for me. I mean, he he just had, he had so much drive, was so fun, was so naturally talented but he was also forgiving of me when I didn't know beans about training a retriever or even running a retriever that had been professionally trained and all of the mistime corrections, the overcorrections, you know, all the mistakes that I made, Skeeter never held them against me. He just always stayed my, you know, hard charging duck and pheasant hunting buddy, you know, for 13 and a half years. And so that certainly I never had a relationship or had the, oh, just the fulfillment from a dog in those early quail hunting years that I have from labs. And I think it's it's a part of having them in the house. It's part of having just all that extra time with them that, and I, and I, I know I just offended some guys who bird dogs mean that same thing to them. But when you go back 30 years, the mentality was the dog stayed out in the kennel in the back of the house. Oh, yeah. Versus today, you know, I think... I probably have a half a dozen dog beds and we have three dogs. Um, <laughs> you know, they're, they're just a part of our lives so much differently today. Um, but, but that's, yeah, 
you could tell that's just what the dogs mean. They, they absolutely mean the world to us. And Skeeter and that duck hunt was just, again, it was one of those before and after moments that before I had Skeet and then after just totally different um, person. Yeah, no, I mean, that's awesome. I know I certainly relate to that. I've had black labs since I was 14, 15 years old and trained them all myself in a mediocre fashion. I always say it was never their fault. <laughs> it was always mine. But they were all, all good dogs and all relatable in a certain sense and all served a purpose that I, you know, needed. But I think everyone in our audience can relate to that where it's just like it, it is such a game changer and they become such a part of your family that you know, it's, it's part of the process, the whole thing, you know, and I'm kind of getting to the point now with mine, I've spoken on this podcast before my lab is female. She's 13 and she, she didn't hunt last year, um, mm -hmm. but and she's just due to injuries for the last couple of years, really, she's very limited in what she can do, but it's like, it's tough in a sense that not that I don't enjoy going duck hunting without her, but you're definitely losing something. In it's that. not the same. It's not the same. And so, you know, it's one of those deals where I'm certainly not the guy who's going to make the decision sitting on a couch. Hey, you want that black lab? Yeah, you can take it tomorrow. <laughs> Sounds like that you are quick to make that decision. Um, I'm a little slower in my process here. Now, my wife would go and get two right now if I'd let her, but... <laughs> But, I, you know, I've got young kids, and we're doing Little League, and we're doing this, and I'm like, now is not the time. Like, there will come a time here soon. Uh, so, you know, I'm sure that I know I relate to your story. I'm sure everyone else does. But I think that's also that really gives us a great opportunity to transition where you're, you know, we're both kind of talking about training and the dogs and things like that. And now let's talk about Sport Dog Brand. And um, really kind of the overview of, of the company itself. And you, you mentioned a little bit offline, and I think it's something to mention that, you know, Sport Dog Brand, along with other companies, is owned by Radio Systems Corps. And I, I think that's important for our audience to know because you mentioned there's several other brands involved with that as well, which encompass what you can pull together and put together from the Sport Dog Brand perspective. Can you kind of just elaborate, elaborate on that just a little bit? Absolutely. So PetSafe and Invisible Fence um, are the two of the other brands under which we, we market you know, the electronic products. Mm -hmm. Underground fencing, wireless fencing, um, bark control, remote training, and then you know, a myriad of other um, non-electronic toys, travel items. Kurgo is one of our brands. Um, some really neat products, you know, especially for in the vehicle and taking your dog camping and to the lake. But what it really has done for Sport Dog is by being part of such a a much bigger organization is we have the innovators. We have the engineers and the resources to really come up with that, that best product that we can and then have the manufacturing wherewithal to, to bring it to market. And we, there's no way we would have been as successful or as delivered as good a product. If we didn't have that family of brands and, you know, the backing of the, you know, the big corporate office al allowing us to go out and, run around fields and marshes with what, what I always say, the cool dogs. I kind of, I, I get in trouble for saying that, but they are, they're the cooler dogs. It, it, that I think it really is a huge part of the success sport dog has had. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's kind of why I wanted you to elaborate on that because as we get into some, you know, individual products and I, and, and just looking at the whole selection of a sport dog brand, you know, e-collars, you know, there's a wide range there. And, and that was kind of the first thing that I wanted to ask you, um, is, is how you separate, you know, you've got, 
you know, the, from the yard trainer to the sport trainer to the wetland hunter to the upland hunter, you know, it, that's basically your job from the way I understand it is to go in and target these specific needs and get them in the hands of the people who know how to use them and then develop them as products, correct? Can you just kind of tell us how that whole process works? Because I think it's fascinating. The, the first place where we start and, and our brand promise is to deliver gear the way you design it. And it's so where we start is by trying to listen to customers, guys that are out there that are hunting with their dogs, guys, you know, that need to train their dog. Because if I'm putting in your hands and I'm putting on your dog, what's going to meet your needs, you're going to have a better, more efficient, more enjoyable experience with it. So I think by listening, um, by using our incredible pro staffers that we have, you know, across the country, some of whom are field trial guys, some of whom are, you know, hunt test, you know, others, they're professional trainers, but they're training the, the family hunting dog. When we have that kind of resource and we listen to them, and then we make sure that the, the average hunter, that guy who's passionate out there, and I, and I, and I say average, not in a mediocrity way, but just the real guy, the guy who's out there, you know, throwing decoys, you know, every weekend and training his dog, you know, getting them brushed up before the season. If I've met his needs, then I've been successful in my job. And so I think that, again, is one of those where because we do this, um, instead of having somebody in my role who doesn't know what a Labrador does, hasn't ever set a decoy spread or run a dog, you know, on a blind, trying to, you know, cheat them downwind to make sure they get in that scent cone, hopefully, and, and I believe it's true, all of those things come through in our end product. And from there, it's just making sure that we have the feature sets at the price points that, you know, are, are suitable for the guys that they want to buy and take a field. No, that's awesome. And that, I mean, and it's exciting that you get to probably uh, meet with a bunch of these different trainers. I mean, obviously, from my standpoint, I, I know a lot of professional trainers, a lot of amateur trainers. And but it, everyone, you know, not everyone has their own method. There's a lot of them following the same method, but there's just different things that some trainers need, even from amateur trainers to pro trainers, that there's there's such a, a broad reach of what the needs are. But I think also what I like about it is sometimes, you know, just the personality of some of these trainers is, is fun. You know, if I'm doing a piece on a retriever training or whatever, and I've got to call five different, you know, trainers. I always look forward to that because they always have something different, you know, some different perspective or some different Absolutely. thought. And I think, you know, sometimes dog trainers are, are, are a little bit different than, than some other people. And I, I enjoy that. So I'm sure you get to probably travel out, travel around and meet with all these different trainers to ask them about the products. I do. I've, I've been really fortunate for years. You know, it, just the, the guys with whom I've spent the most time, you know, you look at, at Tom Dockin, he has such a an inventor's mind and, you know, coming up with a dead foul trainer, coming up, you know, he's always had some kind of a mad scientist thing he's coming up with that's going to help his training process. You get Charlie Journey, who is a scientist and looks at everything, you know, very clinical and seeing that science perspective. And then you get a Chris Aiken who could, he could go on the circuit and be a stand-up comic and probably make more money than he does dog training because he's hilarious but they all have those same kind of core things. Here's what I do. Here's how I get this performance out of a dog. And and you can't you can't question the success they've had just because of the decades they've produced these amazing animals. Um, it's just been an absolute pleasure 
to, to get to sit, you know, in duck blinds and sit in the training fields with those guys. And I know I'm better because of it. And, you know, it, it helps me with my dog, even though I do send mine away. I, um, I will not claim to, to be the one that's trained my, um, they, they go to school. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of <laughs> the job those guys have done for me. We'll, we'll get back to that real quick on going to school because, um, you know, it, that's a that's a good conversation, especially a conversation at my house. Um, and I'd like to get your opinion on that. Well, it sounds like you're going to be on my side of things here. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. everybody we're back and we have clay thompson the category manager for sport dog brand on the show today sharing with us some awesome information about you know some of the sport dog brand products but also we're kind of talking about his job and what he does which is super cool and we've kind of gone through you know how he's gotten to meet some of these cool trainers and coming out of the break i was thinking i've got one question for you though because we you and i have here have talked and you've talked about the retriever training and the um, you know, the Upland Hunter training and the different products that you guys can provide there. But on your website, I was looking at it earlier and there's the Hound Hunter. What's your perspective like getting into that? Like your Labradors and Uplands and things like that. And then you guys actually have a product that's designed for the hounds, like, you know, rac- raccoon dogs, basically. When you walk into that room, is that a totally different world than, you know, lab- a Labrador trainer? Yes and no. Um, yes, what they're getting those dogs to do is totally different. Some of the, the methodologies and, and things that they employ are different, but I mean, dog training all comes down to making sure that dog understands what I want from him. Um, that if I am correcting a dog, the dog knows why he's getting a correction and how to not be corrected again. Those, you know, those are really the same. When, when you look at a lab that's going to, go make that icy water retrieve and come sit back on the stand and have, you know, ice forming um, on their coat versus that, that dog with um, English pointer. We're going to take down to South Texas. It's going to run in brutal heat. But then when we go out there and get Southeast and, and you cut loose, um, I've, I've spent more time around um, tree and walkers than any other breeds to let a dog go. And I'm going to let you go two, three, four miles that direction. And then, I'm going to keep track of where you are and you're going to tree game and wait for me to get there. I, there's no way I I could ever let my Labrador get that far away. I would be nauseous at the idea of what could occur between here and there, but those guys do it successfully. And I'm telling you when one of those hounds, when, when they cut a trail and they all start singing as a pack, it is a magical moment that um, the, the few times I've gotten to do it, it was just like, 
okay, yeah, this is cool. I'm not selling my lab and getting a pack of hounds, but <laughs> I, I want to do this again. <laughs> yeah. No, I've done it before, and I, I've done it several times. I had some buddies growing up that that had um, coon dogs, and, man, it, it was so fun. And But you, it, I had a you know black lab at the same time, and um, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like, it's night, and they're just cutting them off the leash and letting them go, and these dogs are running miles and, you know, you're just kind of sitting waiting around to hear him. And I was totally convinced when I was like eight years old that that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. I was going to be a, a raccoon hunter with dogs because I, re- okay. I read Where the Red Fern Grows. And it was yes. like my favorite book growing up. And that's, I was like, I'm going to be a coon hunter. And then I went and did it with this pack of coon dogs. And I was like, man, I, I don't know if this is a way to make a living. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you could. Yeah, but it sure is fun. Oh, man, it's awesome. Yeah, it, it is cool. Uh, well, that's just cool to hear, you know, the different approaches there with the wide range of products, which we kind of hint on. But before we move off of, you know, just some of the collars, just from your perspective, um, knowing that you deal with a ton of amateur trainers, a ton of professional trainers, um, when you're just sitting, you know, sitting at the bar somewhere in South Dakota and a guy's like, hey, man, I'm getting a dog. You know, I'm going to train up myself. Um you know, what what, col- what collar would you recommend? Like, where would you start people out in that perspective? Always start with um, what breed and what are you going to do with the dog? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I always try to use analogies that if if you told me, said, I'll get this Labrador and we're, we're going to do a little field hunting. We're going to hunt some small um, sloughs and marshes. You don't need my one mile, you know, system that can handle six dogs there's a reason why that 425X, our um, field trainer, is our best-selling product. Is because it just it meets the needs of so, so many people out there. It's it's kind of like saying, you know, there's a reason the F-150 has been the number one selling truck for however many years. It meets the needs of a lot, a lot of people. And so that that's why um, many, you know, the most people go to that. It's also at a great price point. I personally, I like our the half mile and the one mile trainers strictly because they fit my hand better. And especially on a cold day, I'm wearing some thick gloves, the smaller transmitter, um, it just, it's not quite there. It has the advantage that on a uh, call lanyard, it doesn't weigh very much. So there's always pros and cons, but I, I always start there. So what kind of dog and what are we going to do? If, if it's an upland dog, I always you know recommend looking at at least a half mile. And people are like, half mile, you know, it's, I'm never going to let my dog get that far. Or why would I look at the mile system? And it's, no, you're, you're likely never going to need the ultimate, you know, full capabilities of that system. But have you ever been upset you had too much horsepower? You know, if you've got the V8, you, no, it doesn't mean you're going to pull the max load every time you go out. But it's nice that, you know, you need to pass somebody on a two-lane highway. Eh, I've never really been upset that I had the V8. And that's why, you know start looking at some of the other systems, um, even for just a waterfowler. But of course, then there are the guys with the really big ranging bird dogs, the coon dogs we were just discussing that do need that ultimate, you know, range to reach out there. Um, whether or not you'd be running multiple dogs, we, we have some systems that are, are better suited for that um, versus, nope, always going to be a one dog guy. You know, those are some of the the different things to take into account. Yeah, and, and a lot of the, and I think one thing for our audience to understand, because we are pretty waterfowl focused and, and probably I would say a majority kind of retriever focused, really. You know, you guys offer a whole suite of tracking products too that probably kind of, you know, get 
maybe overlooked by our audience as much as, you know, probably not like the, the other wide ranging dogs, but, but you guys offer an, a wide range of that. Is that, you know, just part of that evolution, like you mentioned with the radio systems core and sport dog brand that, that just kind of, that's how everything is just kind of moved into. It, it is. And the, the other thing though, the tracking products. So I'll run um, one of our tracking, a location only system on my lab and we're upland hunting, but it is strictly an insurance policy that if, if he got away from me, got turned around, you know, cause like right now, early season, there's still a lot of standing corn if he gets out there in that corn on a running rooster and gets disoriented, I got to be able to go to where he is. Um, I don't run it on him waterfowling, but you know, it doesn't mean that you, you couldn't do it. Um, the system, they're waterproof. It's just, they're going to be our other, you know, field trainers, sport hunters are just going to be a little better suited for that duck dog. Um, but absolutely those other products definitely have a place on the right animal. And then, you know, just kind of transitioning into that, and you, we, we talked before we got on the air here um, briefly kind of about the in-ground fencing. And, and I, like I've had – Tom Dawkins been on the show before. Chris Aiken's been on the show before. We've touched briefly on some of these products. Um, but you mentioned before we get on that you guys did a little bit of an update on the uh, fence system. Uh, was I think it was last year. Can you provide some just kind of a background of what the whole fence system is? I mean, just an overview of what – you know, someone would be looking for, um, in this product. Absolutely. So what's, what's great about our fencing system, it's, it's all, you know, in ground wired is that you can give your dog just exactly the area of your yard. You want them to have access. And then you can block off. Like if it's, if you've got a little garden in the back, you've got a swimming pool or the landscaping that you spent a lot of time getting it to look nice. You can kind of, this is exclusion zone. This is the zone where you can be and give that dog some freedom. Um, you know, especially pre pandemic when almost all of us were leaving the house and going to an office. I just hated that putting the dog in the crate and then something happens. You're a little late coming home from work. You know, you know, and I, I know I need to exercise that dog, get them out. So having that containment system that keeps them from roaming, you know, let's, let's them have that amount of freedom, have some exercise during the day they're phenomenal. I will say they require training. So it's not, it's very similar to like the remote trainers. You can't just bury the wire, put up the flags, kick the dog in the backyard and expect he'll figure it out. But if you'll put the time in, they are tremendous systems for giving your dog some freedom, but not letting them get too far away. Yeah, no, I know some people that have some and they, you know, they are extremely effective. And in saying that, I was just going to share a funny story because it popped into my head. Um, growing up, the guys that I got started duck hunting with, they had, um, they had this, this big yellow lab and, uh, he, he pretty much lived in their garage and, and this was when I was in high school and early high school, maybe middle school. And this dog basically, you know, hung out in the garage and then, uh, begged, you know, Rice Krispie treats out of us all the time. And, and he had gotten <laughs> older and he just kind of lay around. But he, I mean, he was a good, he was a hard charging duck dog, you know, but they put in one of those early, I don't, I don't even know what it was, but it was an in-ground fence system. Cause they're like, Oh, we'll keep Max, you know, we don't want to have to shut him in the garage every day, whatever. And so we were standing in the driveway, two or three of us and Max comes barreling out 
of the garage. And at, at this, like I said, he was older. He was already a big dog. He's probably 115 pounds. Oh, that's a big boy. Just a huge head on him, huge dog. And he comes barreling down the driveway and runs right past us. And that collar beeped, and it was supposed to beep and warn him before he got shocked. And that collar beeped, and that big hard-headed dog jumped in the air, and you could see him turn his head to the side, and he would grit his teeth and just go through that fence, and it just shock him, and he'd hit the ground almost like rolling. <laughs> and then he'd get up and just take off across this cornfield. It was hilarious. For some reason, that that story just jumped in my head. And I, I'm sure the, the systems that you guys have are so much better now, but when you said it actually requires requires some training you know that's what i'm thinking uh-huh. i'm thinking max like my buddy's dad probably just put the fence in and opened the garage and here's max just you know barreling through this thing but uh I, sorry i got off got off topic there but i thought that was a pretty <laughs> funny story that's the only thing i could think about when you were talking about the fencing system oh max just you know beating cheeks out of there that's right he's hey he was willing to take the beating from the fence if he could get out i guess he was just t- tough who knows but no man it you know, you guys, along with the e-college, you talked about this before we got on as well, the fencing, tracking, you guys have a ton of training products too. And that kind of stems, you mentioned some of that stuff, not only is um, stems from training world, but also from some of the other companies uh, that are a part of, you know, Radio Systems Core. Uh, let's talk about some of the other training products. You guys got dummies, launchers, um, different aids, you know, whistles and lanyards that, you know, someone from our you know, our audience could go on and check out anything they need. What are, what are some of those products that really jump out to you? I think that the, the things that you have to have, um, in my opinion, is you, you've got to have, I carry two whistles. If one of them freezes up, you know, on those really cold days, I want to have a, you know, a spare one there so I can get that dog's attention. But then what I love using all spring and summer and early fall is our, our two inch um, training dummies are just phenomenal retrieving tools. And whether it's, we're throwing marks or we're, we're throwing them to, to get the dog kind of getting back into hunting season shape. Or if we're doing some advanced work, we're going to be, you know, hand signaling, sending the dog on a blind. I'll go out there, set up the pile of them, you know, doing our force to a pile, doing some wagon wheel drills. So to me, the, the dummies are like the must have, um, they work well on land, they float. So it's, you know, any kind of training scenario you have that and the whistle. So those are two things that to me are, non-negotiables. I think the dummies for sure. That's something that every trainer out there needs to take a look at. Those are the essentials right there, uh, right off the bat. And before I get you out of here, we had talked briefly and I'd hinted to it and you had mentioned it before we got online that your dog, you said you did send your dog away for training, but now you're not. And so just kind of explain that story because I wanted to get in to get your opinion on how I can convince my wife to send my dog to a trainer. So for me, I have access to, you know, just such incredible trainers and, and have those relationships. And I know that when I sent my, um, my current dog LS over to Oak Ridge Kennels, Dawkins place, mm-hmm. um, he went there first for burden gun introduction, which I think is, is a, like a critical step that is so easy to do right. And is so hard to fix if you do it wrong, but it's just making sure that that dog understands gunfire appropriately and, and not just, well, let's shoot over him and see if he's gun shy. Um, you know, there's so much gun shyness that was man-made so that that was a critical thing that I don't, I don't have a flight pen full of pigeons. Um, I don't have the ground to, to do a lot of those things, um, that I need done. 
And I know he's just going to come back so much better because those trainers, they've seen thousands and thousands of dogs. So I need like a siren and lights, to, flashing lights to go off for me to realize that, you know, maybe the dog's doing something a little off, whereas they're reading these subtle, subtle cues and they're getting ahead of the problems before it really becomes one. And so then he comes home for um, a couple of months and then went back for the intermediate training where all of the you know basic obedience, but also force fetching, um, steadiness, you know, a lot of those things is what happened in that, that um, second time you went to school. So my reason for, for wanting to send him away is the same reason I've got a CPA that does my tax. <laughs> That's the end result is going to be better. Now, the guy that is willing to put in the time, can he deliver a tremendous, tremendously well-trained dog? Of course, 100%. Um, I just know that between three volleyball games a week and then basketball games and all the other things that we had going, I was just realistic with myself that the dog I was going to get back was going to be a more talented. I was going to better utilize his skills if I had somebody else deliver that. I will also say it it was not the fun conversation. I mean, when the girls were like, so how long is he going to be away? And I'm like, oh, this one's for three months. And they're like, three months. And I'm like, well, but then the dog that I got back, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we missed him. But yeah, this is worth it. When you could point to his his place, you know, that we have in that place, he'd go and he'd sit when somebody comes to the door instead of mauling them, you know, wanting to be excited when, you know, you have somebody come to the house, that ability to heal, sit, just the little things, but that, you know, my 14 year old daughter, she can absolutely make him do all of his commands because he knows, okay, with the collar on, he knows that there's going to be a correction if he doesn't do it. So it's not just like that. I got my bluff in. He just thinks he has to listen to everybody. And and that was the other benefit of sending him away is the, the number of people that are working with the dog. I think they're just more well, well-rounded as opposed to the dog will listen to dad, but mom and the kids, the dog ignores them. Those to me are the the really biggest benefits of, you know, utilizing a professional. Yeah. And I think I'm sitting here jotting down. I think the first one that you said that I'm going to use is like, you know, I have, that's why I have a CPA that does my taxes. So that's going to be the first one with my wife. Cause she's convinced <laughs> she's like, Oh, if we bring home a puppy, then, you know, I don't want you to send it away. And I'm like, yeah, but it's going to come back better. You know, it's like, this is not, you know, this is not a, I'm going to put my foot down. And then, because I, just like you said, you've got things going on during the week. You know, I, have, I you know, I trained my first, obviously my first dog, but I was like 16, 17 years old. And the expectation for what that dog was going to do was so low that, mm-hmm. you know, I, I wasn't training it to hunt thousand yard long Arkansas rice fields. I mean, this, we were hunting small little potholes in Indiana and all he had to do was sit down next to me. And I shot, he went out and got it and brought it back. And that was it. You know, that there was not any real expectation there. Um, plus I could spend every waking minute with him. I mean, I mean, the dog practically went to school with me sometimes. So, you know, that was something. That's just it. Yeah. And so now it's like, you know, I'm, I'll be at Little League. I don't think I can train tonight, you know, something like that. So those are my arguments. And I appreciate you giving me some, uh, some good tips. And that's, that's a, that's a good way for someone to think about it. If there's anyone out there, any of our listeners out there who are thinking about, you know, their next step in getting a retriever. They, this is this is some very sage advice, I would say, um, that, that you've provided. So I appreciate that. Your wife's going to wonder, is he going to forget about me? Which is, <laughs> it does not occur. Trust me, the, the dog will, will absolutely, that bond is not going to be ruined. 
Um, but I think the other thing is a testament to it is when my dog is back around docking is how excited he is to see Tom. Yeah. And so it's not like I didn't send him to boot camp. Um, you know, it's like sending him to, to summer camp. Well, yeah, I mean, there were, there were rules and there was enforcement, but um, just reassure her the dog's not going to forget who she is um, while, while he's gone away to, to training. Awesome. I'm going to approach that conversation tonight, and we may be getting a puppy sometime soon. Well, congrats on that. <laughs> hey, Clay, this has been fantastic. Um, I appreciate you coming on here, talking about what you do, which sounds awesome. Um, it just sounds super exciting to be able to deal with all these trainers and equipment and product development and things like that. Um, and also just talking about Sport Dog Brand and, and what they bring to the table. I think this has been fantastic. Well, thanks for the opportunity. Um, we're, we're certainly you know huge fans of, of Ducks Unlimited. Um, has been, you know, lifelong. Um, you going back to having Greenwing memberships back in the day. Um, what a great organization! Thanks for the chance for us to work together. Awesome. Well, you know, hey, appreciate your personal support there, but also appreciate the support from Sport Dog Brand being a you know promotional partner, proud partner of Ducks Unlimited for some time. I, I didn't even look to see exactly how long, but I know it's probably been you know at least a decade there. But man, we really appreciate that. Absolutely. I'd like to thank my guest, Clay Thompson, the category manager for Sport Dog Brand, for coming on the show and really running us through everything about Sport Dog Brand products and even giving us some helpful advice on convincing my wife to allow me to send the dog to a trainer. I'd like to thank our producer, Chris Isaac, for putting the show together and getting it out to you. And I'd like to thank you, the listener, for joining us and supporting Wetlands Conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And visit www.ducks.org slash dupodcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. Stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.